0: You got your Bibles. We're going to be jumping all over the place. Uh, we're going to be starting in Exodus 15. I'm not, it's going to take a minute for me to get there. And then we're going to jump around. And uh, And so don't freak out uh, about the fact that I haven't gotten there. We will get there in just a second. If you do need a Bible, Robert in the back uh, is, is uh, uh, willing to hand you a Bible. And that Bible, by the way, is yours to keep if you want it. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we're using the Christian Standard Bible, CSB. And, uh, and so if you want to follow along in your Bible app and you want to follow with the version that's going to be on the screen and that I'm using, you can do that. And those uh, black Bibles are CSB copies as well. Uh, before we get any further, let's just pray. Let's ask God's uh, grace to, to just be with us as we look into his word. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come together and to learn and to grow. Thank you for the opportunity to live in the life that you've intended us to live in wholehearted worship in authentic community and in joyful mission i just ask that you would help us to experience your life and specifically as we talk about who you are in your attributes your character traits that those things these things we talk about this morning would would infiltrate and 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 invade our hearts and our minds and our actions and our words that your holiness and your love would, would transform us. I just ask for your grace as I speak, you know, um, prepared and got some notes. But I also know that uh, there may be things that you want to say and, and to say through me that uh, are not in my notes. And I pray you would help me to say those things. And if there's anything here that I don't need to say or just skip over, that you would have freedom by your spirit uh, to speak to your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one of the best, there's a lot of great things about having kids, but one of the best things is having kids is such a learning opportunity and you learn so many things. Like when our first daughter, Adeline, was a year old, I learned, and I I, I honestly didn't know this before, that they had developed a vaccine for chicken pox. I didn't know that that had happened because what I remember is I remember being eight years old and finding a big red itchy dot on my forehead that soon over the course of a day or so became red itchy dots all over my body. Because when I was a kid, you had to catch chicken pox and you had to catch it when you were a kid, right? Because it's dangerous when you're an adult and it's a lot less dangerous when you're a kid. And so every... Kid, every family, every parent wanted to make sure their kid got chicken pox before they were too old. And so I was eight years old and I got chicken pox. My mom was making my sister hug me and kiss me, and you know, because she wanted my sister to catch chicken pox as well. Um, I don't know if anyone here remembers, but sometimes moms would even have like chicken pox parties where they would be like, hey, they're contagious, come on over. And all the kids would get together, they'd all catch chickenpox to build up immunity before this medical miracle called uh, the chickenpox vaccine. Chickenpox is what uh, you know, the Center for Disease Control calls a communicable disease. It's something that's contagious, something you can catch from someone else. And, and so chickenpox is a contagious disease and parents would actually surprisingly want their kids to catch chickenpox so that they caught it and were immune when they were older. Now they've got this amazing vaccine that you don't have to catch chickenpox and be itchy with red dots for three days like I was when I was eight. So this idea of being a, a communicable or contagious disease, something that can be transferred from one person to another, this sort of captures the framework for what we're going to talk about this morning when we talk about who God is. We're in this, fr- this series called Godology 101. You all know from school, ology means it's the study of. And then what we're, so we're doing is we're studying God. We're talking about who is God? What, who, who is God? And we, we talked for a couple weeks about God's name. We talked about God's name. God's name in the Old Testament, he reveals, is not just God, the title God, but is the name Yahweh. And then we see in the New Testament that Yahweh reveals himself even more fully. So you might know someone as, like like come in and say, oh, that's pastor. And then you pastor Danny, and you know, and then if you get to really know me, you you know my full name. Well, God's full name is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because God is a Trinity. And we talked about what is this God who is a Trinity like? What are his character traits? What are his attributes. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the attributes of God. We talk about God's attributes. We talked last week and we're talking this week about two different kinds of attributes. There are what theologians call communicable attributes. Communicable attributes. So um, I think we got a slide for this one. Communicable. Yeah. So this is something that can't be transferred from God to us. This, these are ways we can't be like God. These are ways we can't be like God. We talked last week about two of these. We talked about God's uniqueness, that there's no one like God. There is no one like him. There, there is, there, he is unlike anything else in existence. He is God. It's, it's, it's a category difference. And, that, and then we talked about the fact that God is independent and self-sufficient. He doesn't depend on anyone or anything other than himself for his life and his being. We're different than that. We need food and we need water. We need sleep. We depended on our parents to give us life and our mom to give us birth and to bring us into the world. We depend on people when we're little. We are dependent beings. Everything in creation is dependent on something or someone else, but God is totally different because he depends on no one and no other thing. He is the living God. There is no one like him. He is the living God. These are incommunicable attributes. These are ways where God is totally different than us. So there's, God has more incommunicable attributes than just these two, but these are two of the, the, the big ones that I wanted you guys to understand. This morning, I want to talk about two of the big communicable attributes of God, two of God's communicable attributes. These are things that God can transfer and share with us in some way. These are ways we can be like God. These are things God wants us to. And actually commands us to imitate. And two of the big ones are these two. God is holy and God is love. God is holy and God is love. These are things that are true of God that he longs to be true of us. And he commands to be true of us. It is a sin to try to imitate God's self-sufficiency. But it is a sin to try and not try to imitate God's holiness and God's love. To try to imitate God's incommunicable attributes is idolatry. And to try not to or not to try to imitate God's communicable attributes is sin and missing out on what God has for us. We see both of these in this verse in Exodus 15, verses 11 through 13. So the context of Exodus 15 is that Moses and Aaron and their sister Miriam have just led the people out of Egypt. Moses has led the people out of Egypt. They have tricked Pharaoh. They've escaped from Pharaoh. They've seen God bring plagues upon all the deities of Egypt, and now they sing a hymn. They write a song. They write a poem. They, 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 they praise God for what he's done, and this is part of what they say. Lord, and remember when you see in the English Old Testament, Lord, and it's got the little O-R-D that are a little bit smaller than the L, but they're all capital, that means it's the Hebrew name Yahweh, the name of God, Yahweh, Lord, who is like you among the gods, who is like you, glorious in holiness. So last week, we talked about God's uniqueness, his, his like no other, and and. That is closely connected to his holiness. He is set apart and different, but it also, holiness is something we can, we can't imitate God's total uniqueness, but we can imitate and we can learn from his holiness. He is holiness revered in praises, performing wonders. He says, you, they, they sing, you stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them, meaning the Egyptians, with your faithful love, You lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling and with your strength. So here we see, this is just one of any number of verses we could have pulled up that show these two attributes tied together. These are communicable, contagious aspects of the character of God that he wants you to catch. He wants to have a chicken pox party for you. He wants to invite you over and says, hey guys, I'm contagious. Holy love right here. Come near to me and you will catch what I am. God wants you to to catch these things. He wants you to to imitate these things. He wants your life to be transformed and for you to walk in holiness and love. Now, we're going to talk about these two things Separately, we're going to talk about God is holy, God is love. We're going to talk about them separately. But we have to remember that God is, is different than us. So like sometimes, my wife can tell you, sometimes I'm patient and kind. And sometimes I'm impatient and unkind. And, you know, I, I sometimes act in one way and I sometimes act in a different way. And... God is different than that because God isn't like sometimes holy and sometimes loving. Like this, this is where God is acting holy and this is where God is acting in love. And there's like different ways he acts at different times. No, God is different than us because he is perfectly 100% all that he is and all that he does all of the time. So God doesn't act in holiness in one area and one time but then act in love in another time. It's not as if when when God does this it's because he's holy and when God does this it's because he's love. No, all of the time God is all that he is and all that he does comes from all of his character. It's not like he feels like holy at one time and feels loving at another time, or that sometimes people do this and make him mad, and other times people do this and make him happy. No, God is all that he is all of the time. And how do we know this? We know this because of the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ demonstrates that God's perfect character is on display in the most important event in world history. God the Father sent God the Son to become a human man, Jesus Christ, to live a sinless life, to walk and do miracles and to to, to, you know, show off who he is and who God is and and, and preach the Sermon on the Mount and all that Jesus did, and then to be unjustly condemned, unjustly tried, unjustly sentenced, unjustly executed, crucified on the cross, dead, buried, and then raised from the dead. God did that. God at the cross, he poured out his wrath, and he demonstrated his love. He showed his holiness and his righteousness and and his perfection that cannot stand human sin because the Bible says, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus had to die because the wages of sin is death. But at the same time, God at the cross demonstrates his love. Such as the love that God had for us, that he sent his only son to die for us. In the cross, we see that God's holiness and God's love converge and are both at work all of the time in the world that he made and on behalf of his creation. We see in John, First uh, John 4, 9 and 10, this is... I, I, I have like a lot of life verses depending on how I'm feeling at a given moment, because I'm not like God and I have mood swings and stuff like this. This is, one of the, this is one of the big ones that I, if you pin me down and put a gun to my head and said, What's your life verse? Uh, this would be close to the top of the list, if not the the top of the list. It says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world. So, how did God show his love? By sending his one and only son. God showed his love that he is a trinity by sending his son so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God. So love is not how much we love God. People say Christianity, what's Christianity about? Sometimes people say it's, you know, rules. Sometimes say it's like, you know, um, you know, church attendance. Or sometimes people say it's a relationship with God. Sometimes people say, well, it's about loving God. But that's actually not what Christianity is about. Not first and foremost. Christianity in love is not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. And this is love. That God loved us. In the cross, the perfection of God's character was displayed. His holiness that cannot stand sin, and his love that loves sinners and brings wants them back for himself. So that's just keep that in mind. All of God, all that God is, and all that God does is always true of God all of the time. So with that in mind, let's look at the holiness of God, the holiness of God, the holiness of God. It's our next. Uh, I think we got to. There we go. Uh, so the first thing is that God is holy. God is holy. So I'm going to put a couple of verses up here. Um, God is holy. I Just show them. Uh, Exodus 15, 11, we just read this. Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? God's holiness is tied into his uniqueness, that he is different, set apart, pure. Look at this next verse. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one holy. We can't. We, we can imitate his holiness, but we will never achieve his holiness. He is set apart, pure, unique, and there is no rock like our God. Here we see a famous verse in Isaiah 6.3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. Remember, that's Yahweh. Yahweh, and remember we talked in Haggai a couple months ago. Yeah, Lord of armies is Yahweh Sabaoth. That's a, a, a name and a title for God that demonstrates his superiority over all human power, his glory fills the earth. And there, by the way, is the part of where we see the Trinity in the Old Testament. Holy, holy, holy. God is holy three times Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God's holy, God is, His character is holy, set apart, unique, pure. God's holiness is His inability to, to betray His own character. His inability to act out of step with his own character, his inability to sin or to be a part of anything with even a whiff of evil in any way. God's holiness is overwhelming. God's holiness is overwhelming. So I'm going to read Isaiah six five, and then if you want to like you know get extra credit, not with me because like there's no credit, but. Like it's like for your relationship with Jesus, and that's better than any extra credit I could ever give you. You could look up Exodus three five and Joshua twenty four nineteen, but let's read Isaiah six five. So this is right after the vision of the holy, holy, holiness of God. Oh woe is me, he says, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips and because my eyes have seen the king Yahweh Sabaoth the Lord of armies I am ruined and unclean the great theologian RC Sproul used to refer to this idea as the trauma of God's holiness this the overwhelming nature of the holiness of God the holiness of God is unapproachable and overwhelming it's, it's staring into the surface of the sun. I don't know if I've shared this story before, but you remember there was that um, the solar eclipse a couple years ago? And you know, you're not supposed to look at it. But I, I didn't like plan ahead and didn't get like glasses and stuff, so, so of course, what did I do? I looked at it. And I, it wasn't very long. It was literally like this. And I was like seeing spots. For hours. And I'm calling Laura. And I'm like, I think, I'm, I think I wrecked my eyes forever. I think I'm going blind. I think it's, something's wrong. Something's definitely wrong. And that was for a glance at the sun in a stupid moment through the sunroof of my car like an idiot. Because I was like, what's going on? I want to see. How much more so the overwhelming holiness of God. So God is holy. Pure, set apart, unique. Unstained by any whiff of anything impure. But now we see God's actions God is is holy in his character but God does holiness he he acts in a holy way God's actions are holy God's actions are holy so we see in uh, Leviticus 10:3 and then if you want to look up numbers 2012 and those are just a couple I mean these are just these are just sample verses you know you could go there's I, I had like 13 single space pages of Bible verses that I collated and printed out in preparation for this message. So this is just like, this is just like the cream off the top. This is Moses said, so what's happening in Leviticus 10, 3 is uh, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, they uh, bring what was called unauthorized or strange fire. They, They brought fire for the sacrifice before God that wasn't what God had commanded and God wasn't playing around and God struck him dead. And Aaron's like, whoa, 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 what, what just happened? You killed my sons? Like, is, is this really that big of, deal, big, big of a deal? And God says, yes, through Moses. He says, this is what the Lord has spoken. I will demonstrate my holiness to those who are near me. And I will reveal my glory before all the people. You don't play around with God's holiness. He demonstrates his holiness. Another thing we see in uh, Leviticus, so by the way, see, like the last verse was Leviticus, this verse is Leviticus. People like, it's like, it's like the book of the Bible, people like, like to bag on the most like Leviticus. But man, Leviticus is all, it, what it's really about, all these weird laws and stuff is all about God's holiness and what it means to be a holy people set apart by a holy God. So here you see, this is from Leviticus 44 and 45, but also Leviticus 22, verses 2 and 32. And then in the New Testament, John 17 17 through 19, God says, I am the Lord your God. So you must consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. If you're gonna be my people, I am Yahweh, and to be Yahweh means to be holy. And if you're going to be Yahweh's people, you have to be holy like I am holy. Do not defile yourselves by any swarming creature that crawls on the ground. For I am the Lord, and I brought you from the land of Egypt to be your God. So you must be holy because I am holy. I bought you and brought you. You are mine, and if you're going to be mine, this is the way you've got to be. God sanctifies his people and he sanctifies his creation. So that is God's holiness. Let's talk about God's love, the love of God. So God is holy and God is love. And he is holy and love at the same time in all that he is and all that he does. First thing we see is that God is love. He is love. He is love essentially. God is love essentially. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. Now, this is, like, this is like a top three Bible verse in our cult. Everyone loves the verse that says God is love because what they do is they make that mean whatever they want it to mean. I mean, like God just accepts everything I do and God doesn't care what I do. God just is like whatever. God just embraces me and just loves me. But we all know that's not what real love is. We, no, we don't ever treat someone we actually love that way. Like, if I don't care about your kids, I'll let them do whatever. I don't care. But for kids I love, for my kids, there's some standards. There's some boundaries because I love them. And that's the way God's love is. So God is love. And in fact, a couple verses later that I just showed you up on the screen, verses 9 through, actually, they're not not in there. Um, But it says love is shown in the gospel, in the cross of Jesus Christ. But let's talk about what this means. God doesn't just do love, God is love. What does this mean? What does it mean for God to be love? It means that God is a Trinity. How can a God who is just a solo monad, monad, what well, the philosophers and theologians call it monad, just one thing be love? It's impossible. For God to be love, there has to be multiple persons in the one being of God because it's impossible to truly express love to just yourself, to truly know and experience love. We all know this. There has to be someone to receive your love and to return it to you. So what the Trinity is, is God the Father eternally loving God the Son in the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, an eternal triune love that makes God able to tell us that he is love. Not just that he acts in a loving way, but that he is at the very bottom. If you get down to the bottom of who God is, which you can't do, but if you ever could try, all you would find at the bottom of God is love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, eternally love, eternally content, eternally together in love. God is love essentially. He is love in His being, in His very nature. In that book that I mentioned before on the back book table, Delighting in the Trinity, Michael Reeves um, has, has a statement that says, He could never have been anything but love. That's all. God is love. He is fierce, strong, essential love. God is love essentially. He's also love eternally. So this is Jesus' high priestly prayer in the night uh, before the cross, John 17, 23 through 26. Uh, And then if you want to look up John 15, 9, Jesus is praying here. He says, to, he's praying to the Father. He says, I am in them, meaning the disciples, and you are in me, so that they may be completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This is why a divided church, whether it's divided um, by race or divided by socioeconomic status or d- by generation, by you know, old and young, by pol- politics, a divided church is such a a bad witness to the world because when we are one, the world will know that the Father sent the Son. Father, he says, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me, now look at this, because you loved me before the world's foundation. What's that talking about? Jesus is peeling back the curtain like the pipe and drape here, I'll show you back what's back there. He's peeling the curtain back just a little bit to show what the Trinity has always been like. The Father has loved the Son before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known. Watch this. So that the love you have loved with me with may be in them. So the over, God's love for his son in his grace overflows to his people. And God the son indwells his people and I may be in them. And so all of this, like I said, God's love because God is a trinity. This is what it means for God to be love. God is love because God is a trinity. God is triune. And this is the passage I just read you. If you want to look up John three thirty five, Romans 5, 5. Ephesians 4, 1, 4 through 6, Colossians 1, 4, 3, 14. Those are all going to get at the same idea that God is love because God is triune. I'll, I'm going to actually read some of these verses to you. They're not going to be on the screen. John three thirty five. the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. To the praise of God's glorious grace, he chose God the Father chose us in him, God the Son, Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one, Ephesians 1.6. Colossians 1.14, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. How can God save us? How can God bring us into his kingdom? How can God bring us into his family? It's because he has an eternal son who became a man, who lived a sinless life, died a death on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead, and anyone who turns from their sin and trusts in him will be united to Christ and will receive by grace the love that the Father has had for his son forever. And this gets us to this next main point God's actions are loving. So God is love, and God does love. Love on. You know, that's like the Christian version of of love, to love on someone. God God does love. God is love in himself, and he does love. He loves the world. The first way we see God's love is gospel love. Gospel love. And this is the verse that I've already quoted and alluded to, love is this, not that we love God, but that he loved us, First John 4, 10, and sent his son. Love was the Trinity saying, you know what? If these creatures we made are ever gonna, are ever gonna be brought back to us, it, it's gonna take something bigger than anything in the created order. It's gonna take the son. God the Father sent God the son. to be crucified. And that's the gospel, the good news. So that we can have life and love. Next, we see that God's love is forever faithful love. I have loved you. Now, this is in Hebrew. This is in Jeremiah 31. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And and the Hebrew word there is ahava, an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued to extend faithful love, which is the Hebrew word chesed, to you. So everlasting love and then faithful love in covenant. So there's these two aspects. God's forever love that he bestows on his people and then his faithful covenant love that flows from that love. Jeremiah 31, three, forever faithful love. You know what this means? This means that if God is your father, that he has loved you Since eternally before you were created, he loved you and he sent Jesus for you and he will never give up on you. It's not like, I mean, if God has loved you forever, it's not like he's gonna stop because you screwed up yesterday and you got all upset because your daughter forgot her EpiPens and you had to drive to Boca before Gather and Grow in Coral Springs, hypothetically speaking, right? God's not gonna stop loving you. Like, it's not like he decided to love you, you know, whenever you came to Christ, and then he's going to stop if you mess up too bad. He's loved you since before you were a twinkle in your father's eye, and he will continue to extend faithful love to you. 1 Corinthians 1.20, all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ, this is yours. This is your promise. And take this with you. God loves you with forever faithful love. Now, if you're not in Christ, that's the issue, right? Because you're missing out on this. You need to turn from your sin and trust in Christ. And give your life to him since he already gave his life for you. Next thing we see about God's love is this a, it's electing love. You know what? Electing, election is a choice. He says in Deuteronomy 4.37, um, and then you can also look up Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 11, Malachi 1, 2, and 3, 1 Thessalonians, not first these, autocorrect, awesome, 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, thanks Apple, um, because he loved, this is Moses speaking to the people of Israel after the exodus and after the wilderness wanderings as they're about to enter the promised lands, that's, that's what Deuteronomy is, it's Moses' final word to the people after his years of leadership and ministry, they're entering the promised land, he doesn't get to, He says to them, because he loved your fathers, he chose their descendants after them. He he elected them. He chose them and brought you out of Egypt by his presence and great power. Because he loved them, he chose you. God's love is a love that chooses the beloved. Next, we see that God's love is purifying love. Hebrews twelve six, and this is actually a quote of Proverbs three twelve. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. That's a good dad, right? Like I said, parents who don't discipline their kids, they don't, it's because they don't love enough because it's way more work to discipline your kids consistently and patiently than it is to just let them run wild and then fly off the handle every once in a while. He disciplines the son he loves the one he loves. He punishes every son he receives. Every circumstance in your life is God's loving discipline for you. If you are a Christian, then everything that happens to you is not just allowed by God, but it is intended by God for your good to discipline you so that you can become like Jesus and you can know true fullness of joy in his presence. It's purifying you and making you more like the communicable attributes that we're talking about. God's love is pervading love. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the Lord's unfailing love. The earth is full of the Lord's unfailing love. Do you, you, know, do you know why the earth is as good as it is. And it is broken, and society has problems more than we could could spend all day talking about. But do you know why there are beautiful sunrises on the beach just like a mile this way? Or do you know why God made mountains? It's because of his pervasive faithful love for his creation. Some, sometimes theologians call this common grace, that God sends his reign on the righteous and the unrighteous, that, that God's faithful love is everywhere. And, and, you know, we talk a lot here about the, what we call the killer bees, right? The birthday parties, boats, ball games, and brunches. People, you know, don't have time for God because they're, they're doing these things. And, and you, know what, you know what they're doing? They're, they're living off God's faithful love, and they don't even know it. And God wants them to see his, his faithful love in their life become a reality. Not just the pervasive way he deals with all of his creation and his kindness on this earth. God's love is pursuing love. Is Psalm 23. You probably know this by heart. You might know it in the KJV. Only goodness and mercy will follow me. But actually, the word there, "only goodness," is, is actually the word chesed, the faithful covenant love of God. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've been being like you've been being chased. It's a terrifying feeling. I was coming home late one night, and I was in my car, and I noticed this car behind me. And this was I was probably in college, and. Um, I noticed this car behind me, and it was like, it seemed to be turning when I was turning. I was like, oh, great. They found me. They found me. And um, and so I, I decided I wasn't going to go home, right? Because I'm too smart. I'm too smart for them. They don't know. So I turn, and I, before the, t- I, instead of going straight toward my neighborhood, I turned right. And I was like, okay. And then they turned right. I was like, okay. They saw him. And so then, Instead of going back the other way, back toward the house, which I could have done, I went and I took another ride. And they took another ride. Okay, okay, this is real. This is serious. And, uh, and I'm speeding. I'm dri- driving down this road. And it's, it's, you know, it's two lanes on each way, one in each direction. So they're behind me. And then, I, you know, it's clear. It's totally obvious this person is following me. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then I get to the part where the road expands from four lanes to two lanes. And and this car pulls up in front of me, and it's my parents' minivan. It's my dad being a dork, and he's trying to get my attention. And he's like, and I'm so I'm oh, it was, it was so hilarious, and also so so such a relief, right? Because this feeling of being followed. Well, just think, you're, you're that what you think is is following you around, and, and like life is out to get you. It. It may just be, could it be that it's your father following you because he loves you? Pursuing love. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. God's love is redeeming love. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. He says, because you were honored, excuse me, precious in my sight and honored and I love you. I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life. Isaiah 43, four. What's he saying? Redemption, purchasing. I will trade. I will will do what it takes to pay the price to bring you back to me. What was the price God paid? He paid the price of the life of his son. God's love is forgiving love. Who is a God like you? forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance he does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love micah 7:18 god delights in faithful love he does not hold on to his anger forever what's that mean it means he doesn't hold our sins against us forever he forgives us how does he forgive us how is it possible for a holy god to forgive us it was only possible by the cross God's love is sacrificial love. God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. Also John 3.16, you probably know that one. Galatians 2.20, Ephesians 5.1 and 2. Any of these you could have put up there, they show the same thing. That what God does to show his love is he sends his son. He sacrifices his son. His son sacrifices his life so that we can have life and love from God. God's love is life-giving love. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. God's love is what gives us life. I don't know if you've seen that clip of Mr. Rogers. He's getting like a lifetime achievement award and. He stands up before his people and he's like his Mister Rogers like way he's so like meek and humble and he said, "Can you all just take?" And it's his moment, right? He's getting this lifetime achievement award. He says, "Let's all just take ten seconds and think with gratitude about the people who loved us into being." And he takes ten. He takes ten seconds out of his moment, right, to to just. Think about that. How, how much more so God has loved us back to life by sending Christ for us. God's love is mind-blowing love. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height, and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. It's not that you can't know it, it's that it's so big, you can only know a little tiny slice of it, only a glimpse of it, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. God's love is adopting love. I'd love to spend more time on these, but for the sake of time, I've only got 17 more. And no, I'm just kidding, there's two more. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. 1 John 3.1, God's love adopts us into his family. And then finally, 1 John 4.19, God's love is viral love. We love because he first loved us. It's contagious. He wants us to catch this. He wants us to love others like he loved us. He wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves. He wants us to love one another in the church As he has loved us in Christ, laying down our lives for one another, giving for the other person, he wants us to consider others more important than ourselves. He wants us to catch the love that he has for us and to spread that love to others. And that's the reason you have invite cards in your seat, is because God's love is viral love. And if we have truly experienced the love of God, we want that love to be spread to other people. So invite them, you know, they may, I was reading in my Bible reading this morning, um, Isaiah 65, one, He's like, I was found by a people that did not seek me. You know, the people you know, they may not be looking for God. They may be looking for something, but they may not be looking for God. But here's the thing, if you're in their life, then you can be sure that God is looking for them. And he may use something as silly as, as a brightly colored little postcard that you give to them to change their life forever. Because his love is always viral. It's always multiplying. It always intends to transform the one who receives it. Finally, this all just takes us back to where we started. takes us back to the cross. takes us back to the cross where God's holiness and his love were on display in perfect unity without separation God vindicated his purity, his unique set-apart nature, and his holiness of actions, his holiness of his demands, and he demonstrated and displayed his love, his eternal love for a son by putting his son on the cross so that adopted children could be given new life. Read this story this week about a man who has a son. He said, his son's name was Ryan. He says, in the first 15 years of his life, our son, Ryan, had over 30 surgeries. When he was about eight years old, and this hit me because my daughter's eight, right? So maybe that's why it was so powerful to me. He was in the hospital for another surgery. The medical staff had already given him what they called the Barney juice. Uh, remember the big purple dinosaur, right? Praise God that's not popular anymore, a purple liquid with something like morphine in it. medical staff had begun to roll his surgical bed to the operating room. As usual, we accompanied him to the two big doors that led to the place of surgery. That's where we stopped and told him it would be okay for the last time before surgery. This day, as we got to the doors and they opened, he sat up in bed, looked me in the eyes, and pleaded, Dad, don't let them take me. At that moment, my heart was broken. I would have done anything to take him off that bed, except for the fact that he had to have that surgery. I just stood there, trembling as the doors closed, and he disappeared. And when he was gone, I broke down in tears. Shortly after, I was asking God how such a good love could hurt so much. And I realized that he had gone through the same thing. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Translated into the language of a child, Daddy, don't let them take me. I allowed the surgeons to take my son for his own good. God allowed the crucifiers to take his son for our good. And that's how much God loves us. Let's pray. May your love transform us, God. May your holy love and your loving holiness, your contagious character, infect us. And may we become contagious and and have an outbreak of holy love in South Florida. As we draw near to you, may we spread what we catch to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.